0: It's great to see everybody here this morning. We have a lot of visitors with us. Uh, it is Memorial Day weekend, so we do have several, I believe, traveling uh, and visiting with us today. But it also means we likely have several who are out traveling, several members who are that, who are out. But uh, nonetheless, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you for being here uh, on this great Lord's Day. We appreciate you you being here. Before I get it started, I wanted to kind of echo what Dad was saying in his prayer there. I had to say. Uh, happy birthday to brother bud mcdonald Uh, brother bud is turning 94 years old today or years young today i should say right Uh, brother bud is just a special man Uh, and i've got to visit with him several times over the last year and uh, just so many stories so much knowledge you could soak up from him and uh, he's been part of the church here in mobile uh, for years and years and years and a part of the creekwood church for years and years and so we're so thankful for you brother bud and if you see him Wish him a happy birthday today. Uh, he's a special, special man. So happy birthday, brother Bud. July thirteenth, two thousand nineteen, uh, will uh, is and always will be uh, one of the greatest days of my life because that's the day that Haley and I were married on this very stage. And many of you were there for, for that, and we appreciate your presence there and for your help there. I will. All, I'll always remember that that wedding day. It's the day where we entered into that sacred union of marriage instituted by God himself thousands of years ago. It's the day where we committed our lives to one another, to stick with one another through thick and thin until death do us part. It's where we left our families and began our own family, right? It's a special day. And again, we got to celebrate with so many of you, and that made it even more special. And we're so thankful for the people in our lives that we could celebrate that special day with. And I know we have a lot of couples here in the crowd, couples who have been married for a few years, all the way up to couples who've been married for 50, 60, maybe even 70 years. And and likely, no matter where you fall there, however long you've been married, the likelihood is that you could probably remember some vivid details about your wedding day. Maybe you remember... Uh, the the wedding officiant, who that was, who officiated the wedding. Maybe you remember exactly what color suits the groomsmen wore or the dresses that the bridesmaids wore. Maybe you remember something silly that happened during the ceremony. I I don't know. Maybe the officiant said something that you remember. Maybe you remember what was served uh, in the reception. There's so many memories that a a wedding day can can bring forth, and, and it's one of the most memorable days Because, again, there's a joining of two people until death do them part. It's a special, special day. And many of you have experienced that. And many of you will, Lord willing, experience that in the future. It's a special day. There is no human relationship that we can enter in that is quite like a marriage relationship. No other human relationship compares we have relationships with you know, friends and, and family members and so on and so forth. But nothing compares to that marriage relationship. The book of Genesis in chapter 2 tells us that a husband and wife are joined together and they become one flesh. They become one. And it is a special, special relationship designed by God himself. And it's a beautiful, beautiful relationship. The closeness there, the intimacy There's there's really nothing like it. Now, why this is so interesting is because in the Bible, we see that Christ is referred to as a bridegroom and the church is referred to as a bride. And and, in other places, uh, Christ is referred to as a husband and and the church is referred to as the wife. And so we see this close relationship is related to to Christ and Christ. The church, And that's where we get this idea that we, the church, are the bride of Christ. And that's what we want to talk about this morning, that we are the bride of Christ. We've been looking this year at the foundations of faith once a month. We've been going over these uh, lessons about the fundamentals of the faith. And uh, the, we've gone through three so far. This is the fourth one on that list, that the church is the bride of We're going to be going through the rest uh, throughout the other months of the year. But the church is the bride of Christ. And now, this may not seem like that uh, fundamental of a principle, but stick with me this morning. I think you'll understand just how fundamental and important this principle is. What I want to start looking at is looking at those passages where we see that Christ is referred to as a bridegroom or a husband. And where the church is referred to as a bride or a wife. We're going to start in Mark chapter 2. Verses 18 through 20. This is one of the first examples we see. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and they came and said to him, Jesus, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, while the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. You see, the Pharisees frequently were trying to trap Jesus, right? We're trying to catch him in something to try to accuse him, and they never really could because Jesus never did anything wrong. But they're saying, hey, hold on a second. John's disciples fast and we fast, but how come your disciples don't fast? And he tells them, hey, while the bridegroom is there, He's the bridegroom. Jesus is referring to himself as the bridegroom. While the bridegroom is there, the attendants cannot fast. Okay, see, a wedding was not a time for fasting or, or mourning or, or things like that. A wedding was a time for feasting, for celebration. It was a joyous occasion. And Jesus is saying, hey, my coming here and being with my disciples, it's a joyous occasion. It's time to work. The, the time for fasting will come later when I leave. But right now... The bridegroom is here, and it's time to celebrate. It's a time for joy. Now, we don't see the bride come in just yet. We'll see that in a a passage here in a minute. But nonetheless, Jesus still refers to himself as the bridegroom. And there's a celebration, as we'll see here, uh, talk about here in this next passage. Uh, uh, The next place we see this is in Matthew chapter 25, with a very familiar parable that you'll likely remember. It's a parable of the, the ten virgins. And I want to read this parable out for you so you can see the, get the whole context. But Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Now, the point of this parable is that we need to be ready for Christ's return. Christ is the bridegroom, and he's going to come back. And we've got to be like the wise virgins who brought oil for their lamps, right? We've got to be ready for his coming. We can't be like the foolish ones who aren't ready. When we're caught unprepared, right? But again, Christ refers to himself as the bridegroom. Now, a typical Jewish wedding was not like the weddings that we have today. Uh, Typically, there was a procession that would lead to the bride's house. And the bridegroom would pick up his bride, and then he'd take her back to his house where the wedding feast would take place. And they'd celebrate and have this feast together. And it seems like the bridegroom in this parable, he's coming back to enjoy in that feast. But he delays in his return, right? And so these these ten virgins, they fall asleep. But then it's announced, hey, the bridegroom's coming, get ready. And only five of them were ready. And only five of them could enter into that feast with the bridegroom. So Jesus, again, likens himself to a bridegroom who's ready to feast. He's ready to enter into his feast. And we have to be ready to enter with him. Now here's where we get to the passages where we really see it clearly. That Christ is the bridegroom or the husband in the church the church is the bride or, or the wife. Ephesians chapter 5, probably a very well-known passage to you. But starting in verse 22, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 says this, "...Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything." Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. There's so much to unpack here, and we simply do not have time to unpack everything. But basically what Paul is doing he's Paul, in trying to help us understand the relationship of a husband and a wife, he points to the relationship of Christ and the church. And really, vice versa, to help us understand the relationship of Christ and the church, he points to a husband and a wife. It helps us understand both. You see, wives are called to submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ. You see, that's what we've been talking about all year is submitting to Christ, right? Being humble, having humility, and submitting to our Lord. That's what the church does. We submit to His will, And he's saying, wives are called to submit to their husbands. But husbands are tasked with this great responsibility to lead their families and lead their wives in a godly manner. And here he calls the husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ loved the church so much, loves us so much that he was willing to give everything. He gave it all. And likewise, husbands are supposed to give everything Even if it means giving his life, even if it means laying down everything for his wife, for his family, he'll do it. And that's what what we're called to do. We're called to do that for our families, men are, to to provide and nourish and and cherish our wives. And he says, look, if you want to understand a husband and wife relationship, you need to look to Christ in the church. Christ is the husband and and the wife is, is the church. And so we understand a lot here, and he says, look, this mystery is great, but I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church, that the two become one. It's an amazing principle that we can be united with Christ and we can be a part of his body, be his, his bride. It's a beautiful picture. One last passage that we'll point to here uh, to, to see how that, that we are the bride and that Christ is the, the bridegroom is Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9 says this, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then He said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And He said to me, These are true words of God. Several times in the book of Revelation... With all the action going on, all these visions, John kind of gets these pauses where he sees into heaven. And, and this is one of the, in the context of one of those, thing, uh, those visions where he's seeing into heaven and he's seeing all this praise being enthroned to God, being given to God. And he, he says this, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb, the Lamb being Christ, has come. And his bride, that's us, has made herself ready. And the bride is dressed in the righteous acts of the saints. Folks, one day we're going to feast with Christ. We're going to be there for all of eternity and we're going to join in that feast. Remember, we talked about that parable where he's entering into the feast and we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready for that day to come where we can enter and enjoy that feast with Jesus Christ. But you can clearly see throughout the the Bible, and there's more passages. We could look even to the Old Testament where the Israelites were referred to as a wife and God as their husband and so on and so forth. But we see that we are the bride of Christ. Now, what does all this mean? What What does it mean that we are the bride of Christ? Well, I think the simplest thing that we could do is just look at some similarities of a relationship with Christ to a marriage, What's similar between a marriage relationship and a relationship with Christ? And I want to look at just three points because we could probably go on several here, but I just want to look at three similarities of a marriage to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number one is commitment. Commitment. I said a few minutes ago, uh, when a man and a woman enter into a marriage relationship, they're committing themselves to one another. When Haley and I got married on this stage, July 13, 2019, we were committing ourselves to one another for life. Now, unfortunately, many people in our world don't understand this. They don't understand that marriage is a lifelong commitment. It's, well, if I get tired, I can just walk away. Or if I want to do something different, I don't have to be in this anymore. No, that's not God's intention. God intended that when a husband and a wife enter into marriage, they are to remain together for life. That's the intention. And they are to commit themselves to one another until death do them part. To be by each other's side. To be faithful to one another. Always. Forever. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 6. So they are no longer two, talking about a married couple. They are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. God is joining a couple together. And, and, and the two become one flesh, and they're never to separate. That's God's intention for a marriage. It's for us to be committed to that relationship and to never part. And we see so many of you here in this crowd have that commitment in your marriage. To be there beside your, your spouse. Through thick and thin until death do you part. Now here's the thing. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ... It's a lifelong commitment, or at least it should be a lifelong commitment. This is not just something that we enter uh, into a relationship with him at baptism. and we say, all right, we're done. We're there. We've gotten it. We don't have to do it. No, it's that's the beginning. And at that moment, we're pledging our lives to him. We're saying, I'm giving myself to you, Christ. I'm yours forevermore. You've washed me of my sins. I've been added to your church and I'm going to live for you. I'm not going to live for me anymore. I'm living for you. I'm committed to following you. Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Christ gave his life so that we could live. And the life we now live is a life of faith in the Son of God because he gave himself for us. We no longer live for us, we live for him. And it's this committed relationship where we say, You before anything else. And I'm going to stick with you when times are bad and when times are good. No matter what happens in this life, I'm committed to Jesus Christ. It means you're all in. And in a marriage relationship, there is a commitment. It's supposed to be a lifelong commitment never to separate. And our relationship with Jesus Christ, it's a lifelong commitment that we are saying we're going to stick with you and we're going to follow you and do whatever you tell us whenever you tell us. And so we see commitment between a husband and a wife and between us and Christ. Secondly, we see closeness. There's a close relationship between a husband and a wife. We've already mentioned this. There's really no relationship that compares. The intimacy and the closeness that we see between a husband and a wife. We've referenced this passage several times today, but Genesis chapter 2, in the context of Adam and Eve being joined together, Verse 24 says this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. A husband and a wife, they leave their families and they are joined together. They, it's, they're bonded together and to never be separated into one flesh. That's closeness. Now, I don't think you can get closer than that to become one flesh with somebody else, Right? But when you get married, you share everything with that person, right? You share a home with them. You you go on vacation with them. You you have kids with them. You, You do everything together. You share stories together, your life together. Everything is shared together. You know everything about that person. They know everything about you, right? It's a close, close relationship, a beautiful relationship. And here's the thing. As Christians, there should be a closeness with Jesus Christ. We should be so drawn to Him. And that's a great thing, is that when we draw near to God, He draws near to us, the book of James says. And there should be this, this closeness between us and Christ. We should let everything out to Him, everything that we're feeling, everything that we've got on our mind, we should go to Him. And the thing is, He can sympathize with us, because He's been through it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. We should be close to Christ. And as close as we should be with our spouses... We should be even closer to Jesus Christ. Our relationship with him should be even stronger. And I meant to put this here on the screen. Many of you have probably seen that triangle. Uh, the, the marriage triangle, if you will. There's a, if you can picture a triangle, you know, it's got three, three corners. There's a husband on one end and a wife on the other end. At the top is God. And as you draw closer to God, what's happening? You're drawing closer to each other, right? The closer a husband and wife get to God, the closer that they get to each other. And so it's a, it's a great benefit that as we draw closer to Christ, we draw closer to each other in a marriage relationship. This past uh, Monday, David, uh, Ricky, Blaine, and I sat down and did a Bible study. We were talking about marriage and Christian dating relationships. And David mentioned a, uh, uh, a story about our former preacher here, W.T. Allison. And I may get some of these details wrong, but I thought it fit very well here. Uh, many of you remember Brother W.T. I, I didn't know this, but W.T. actually wasn't a Christian when him and Shelby first married. Shelby was a Christian, and Shelby worked on him to try to, you know, to get him to to Christ. And eventually, he did become a Christian, and obviously a wonderful preacher. Uh, but early on, again, he was not a Christian, and so Shelby evidently insisted that she take. Uh, he'd take her to church services. And so sometimes he would do it, but sometimes he would get a little angry and would not want to do that, you know? And he would kind of drop her off and, you know, kind of drive off, you know, wheels spinning in the parking lot and the gravel, and he'd go away. And there was one time, evidently, where he dropped Miss Shelby off, and he said, you know what? It, all, it seems like you love Jesus Christ more than, more than me. And she said, now you're getting somewhere, all right? And, and eventually, again, Ms. Shelby's influence on him was, was great, and he it ended up becoming a Christian. But that point there, he said, you love Jesus more than me? And she said, yeah, I do. I do. And that's how it should be, that we should be so close to Christ, even more so than our, our spouses. Any relationship that we have closeness in, we should be even closer to Jesus Christ, And some people may say, well, hold on a second. He's not here. I can't talk to him, you know, like audibly. I can't see him visually with my eyes. But folks, Jesus is alive and well. And he wants to be your friend. He wants you to come to him. He promised to never leave us or forsake us. Philippians 3, verses 8 through 11. I love this passage so much. But I think this illustrates the closeness Paul had with Jesus Christ or his desire to know Christ. Look what it says. More than, that, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Folks, Paul did whatever he could to know Christ. He counted everything as lost in view of knowing his Lord. What about us? Is everything but rubbish for us in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ, in comparison to drawing close to him? For Paul, it was. and He was willing to do whatever he could to get close to Christ. Folks, Christ does his part. He's he's committed to us in this relationship, and he will draw near to us, but we've got to do our part. We've got to be in his word. We've got to be going to him in prayer. We've got to be here at worship services and Bible classes and activities. We've got to be drawing near. We've got to live out our faith in the world. And, folks, if we do those things, we are going to be close. And so we see that closeness between a husband and wife, but we see it. It's supposed to be in our relationship with Jesus as well. Thirdly and finally, sacrifice. Within a marriage relationship, the husband is not to focus on his needs, but his wife's needs. And the wife is not supposed to focus on her needs, but her husband's needs. Right? You sacrifice things. You give up some things for the betterment of your spouse. That's the point. It, it, people may say, well, marriage is a give and take relationship. I, I, I disagree with that. Marriage is a give relationship. And if you're giving and your spouse is giving, then your needs are going to be met. But, but we're supposed to be focusing and, and giving things up for our, our, our spouse. Ephesians 5, and 25, we've already read this. But Paul says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, the, husband, uh, the wife is submitting to her husband. Submitting to the, the, the husband's lead and his direction. And, and husbands are called to love their wives sacrificially, even giving him his very self up for her if need be. And so this relationship is a giving relationship. We give up some things for the betterment of our spouse. And folks, in a relationship with Jesus Christ, Christ gave everything for us. He sacrificed his very life for us so that we might live, so that we might come to him and have a relationship with him. And here's the thing. You're going to have to sacrifice some things to follow Jesus Christ. We're going to have to give some things up in order to pursue Him correctly. Remember the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18, 22 to 23? He comes to Jesus. He's like, Hey, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Hey, keep the commandments. He says, I've done all these things. Well, what's Jesus say? Verses 22 to 23. When Jesus heard this, He said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when he had heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus calls a rich young ruler, give up your possessions, give it to the poor and follow me. you got to make a sacrifice. You've got to give something up to follow me. Jesus in other passages says, you can't love father, brother, mother, sister more than me. We, we may have to give some things up. We may have to cut some things off in order to follow Jesus Christ. And it may hurt in the moment, but it's worth it. Nothing should hinder us from following our Lord. Even if we have to give up everything for Him, we should do it. And I know we say, well, God, Christ would never call us to give up everything and follow Him. If that's what it takes, then we need to. Because this relationship with Christ is more important than any other relationship we will ever have. And so you might have to sacrifice. You might have to sacrifice some things. You will have to sacrifice some things in order to follow Jesus Christ fully. And again, we could go on and on and on. But the point is, we see so many similarities between a relationship with a husband and wife to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, again, this may not seem all that fundamental to you, but it really is. Folks, being the bride of Christ is just another name for the church. And folks, when we are baptized into Jesus Christ, we're added to that church We become the bride of Christ. That's who we are. We're the bride of Christ. Whether you realize it or not, that's who you are. And there should be this closeness. In order to have a relationship with Christ, there's got to be commitment. There has to be this closeness. And there's, there's got to be sacrifice. I think these things are fundamental principles for us to understand our relationship with our Lord. But we are His bride. And here's the thing. One day, we've already talked about this. One day we're going to enter into heaven and share in that wedding feast forevermore. Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part of that feast forevermore? I do. I want to be ready when the bridegroom comes to take his bride. And I hope you're ready. If you're not ready this morning, we'd love for you to come forward and we would pray with you and for you. If you want to give your life to Christ and be added to his bride, become the bride of Christ Man, we'd love to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. I hope you want that relationship with him. I do. Let's work on it together and pursue him passionately. If you have any need this morning, please come forward right now as we stand and as we sing.